You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Either we win or we learn, and today we learn. Abdacha, Austin, shot at Isabel. It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, 1 0. Blue fast shot. Oh my word. It's unbelievable. We ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, now, your host, host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markstone. I am the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. And I hope that the international break is treating you well. Hopefully, um, you've had some time to, to rest and recuperate from the kind of sprint of football that we have been on. You know, normally during the international breaks, I tend to catch up with the Southampton Women's Football Club, or we do a joint interview with our partner, the Saints Archive, uh, to bring you one of the Total Recall episodes. But a lot of people that I know have been struggling recently with their mental health. And so I wanted to bring an episode out of the archives all the way back, I think, episode 27 Uh, when I spoke to Kiko Rodriguez, the father of Jay Rodriguez, and also uh, an FA intermediary. Um, He runs, he's the director of DRN Sports, and somebody who's also kind of dealt with uh, mental health. And um, I'll be honest, it's not the best interview that I've ever done. Some of you are probably going like, well, the bar's pretty low on that anyway, buddy, but it's okay. So, um, you know, I wish I would have asked a couple of different questions. I wish I would have um, done a couple of different things. But the fact is, when somebody says, yes, I'll talk to you about my struggles with mental health, um, it's not, I don't really feel like it's my place to, to push um, to talk more than they are comfortable doing. So um, anyway, Kiko joined me very early on in the podcast. And so it was a pleasure to talk to him. And, and, and really, the only thing I'll say is that, you know, this is almost four years ago now. Uh, we refer to it as mental illness, and that was the term that he used at the time. And so it's the term that I used when talking to him. But, um, you know, I think now we'd call it mental health. So um, your mental health is important, it's just as important as your physical health. Sometimes those two are, uh, you know, closely linked. So um, hopefully you are doing all right. But if you're not, uh, please reach out and talk to someone. Remember, there are people around you and close to you who would love to speak with you and talk with you. Um, and just, you know, from somebody who has dealt with mental illness and depression and anxiety and stuff, people are around and people care, even when it feels like they don't. So make sure that you do talk to somebody about that. Um, we'll put some numbers in the show notes for people in the UK and the US um, if you need to talk. So, um, and, uh, you know, I don't check my DMs all that much. Um, but feel free to slide in there if it's, if it's this related to this. All right. Anyway, you can follow Kiko Rodriguez on Twitter at Kiko rod nine. The links to his Twitter profile, as well as DRN sport are in the show notes. And, uh, thanks for listening. Saints are back this weekend and I will talk to you on the other side.
And if you, if you would, can you tell me a little bit about, about you and kind of where you came from and how you wound up in England? I was born in England, Burnley, actually, uh, even with my uh, Spanish name. My parents were uh, from Spain, from La Coruña. Uh, and I think it was the late 50s, early 60s that they decided to come into the UK for uh, work, I think. So ended up coming over here to live, and that's when I was born here. Uh, but I did go back home, and I was roughly about 15, 16 to 12 months, and then come back to Berlin again, and, uh, and that's how I ended up here. And you have you have two sons uh, that that play yeah. that play football, and and so were you involved in playing football at all? Come as you as you grew up? Yeah, I mean, I went in that caliber of what Jay were doing, but uh, I played a lot of the uh, semi-professional. Had a couple of trials at Burnley Football Club, but nothing as as what Jay's done. What What's your kind of history and, and Jay's history with with Southampton? In, in what way? What do you mean? Well, in, I guess, I guess uh, you know, was there a connection with Southampton prior to Jay coming to the club, or was it? Did it no, just so happen that? No, it was uh, obviously we were at Burnley, and um, and the season before he had a really good season, uh, and I think there were talks about him going the season before. Uh, but then the season after did all really well and uh, obviously then Southampton come in with a bid and, and then Burnley sold him but you know, there was no connection but he did know a few people in that in that league say from the championship at the time the Southampton got promoted that year Alright, now you run uh, or are part of DRN Sports I think you're the, the founder and creator of DRN Sports and yeah. for anybody who doesn't know what, what is DRN Sports and, and what do you guys do? Yeah, DRN Sports is basically an intermediary company um, and we have four lawyers and the next footballer and myself uh, because I, I worked in the industry for 25 years uh, I'm seeing things what's happening in football uh, I decided to, we all decided to get together and see if we can support football players going forward young and old uh, so we decided to get together two years ago and, and set a company up and basically what we do we do look after footballers but we do Basically, we have youth players. Uh, I mean, we work very closely to the parents. Like, so you mostly work with with youth players. So, if people are looking for you, if people are looking to to kind of contact you, uh, can they can do that on Twitter, uh, and they can do that. Uh, you have a website, and we'll we'll put all those links kind of in the show notes in case anybody is interested. Is that is that acceptable? Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course it is. Yeah, I mean, you can contact me on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm no problems. You know, I'm prepared to talk to anybody. Unfortunately, you can't help everybody because it's there's that many. Uh, young footballers out there who have been released and they want to help. But we will try and accommodate and we will uh, try and guide them to a, a, a different way. But uh, we'll, we'll take any phone calls or any uh, messages. We'll always reply. You know, it's not an issue. All right. And do you guys kind of take the place of an agent for people who are too young to kind of have an agent? Is that kind of how it, is that kind of what you guys do? Yeah, well, we, have, we do have uh, professionals as well. Okay, okay. Okay. Uh, but when we did start, it started off at the youth level because uh, as, a, as, a, as an intermediary, you can uh, represent somebody at 16. You can't, under 16, you can't. So you, between 16 and 18, uh, you have to be like CERB checked and things like that. So you, you, you can represent them. Okay. Uh, like I say, anything under 16, you can't really represent. And thank you for, for kind of sharing all that with us and it gives me kind of yeah. a clearer picture. Um and, and kind of what I guess what prompted our our conversation today is uh, we all kind of read that that article about um, about Stephen Cocker, uh, you know, Jay's former teammate, and yeah. I, so yeah. we're we're kind of here to talk about uh, mental illness and sports specifically. Yeah. And yeah. 
and I don't know when I hear the term or when you hear the term mental illness, um, what, yeah. what do you think of what, what, what comes to mind when you hear that? Well, like I say, I mean, I'm not scared of talking about it because I went through it about two, two, three years ago, uh, for different various reasons. And unfortunately you can't see it. Uh, people think you're okay, but, um, you know, if you have a broken arm, people will say to you, oh, are you okay? How's your arm? For mental health, you can't see it. And people do it in different ways. Uh, but I do feel strongly about it because I've done like, seminars at the UCFB about mental health. I've worked with uh, Clark Carlisle uh, with mental health. And, and it's just getting, getting it out there to understand that people, it doesn't matter how much money they're on or how little money they're on. You know, people are human beings and the mental, mental health, people need support. It's not just the people who's going through the mental health; it's the families. The families suffer as well. You know, it takes a lot of courage to come out and say that you know you kind of have gone through it, and it's something that yeah. I think the public maybe doesn't. I think up until recently, maybe the public hasn't been as accepting of people who have gone through that. You know, but over the past few years, have you seen kind of the way people view mental illness change at all? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a lot stronger now because people, I think, are taking it more seriously. And and you can see it. When I say you can't see it, you can see it when you're close to somebody because you do change. I mean, how you you know, when I went through it, I went from being bubbly and going out and being stuck in the house, not doing anything. So, you know, it is an illness. But as more people get involved and more people understand it, it'd be a lot easier to work with people who's got it. Now, do you tend to notice the mental illness uh, or the depression and, and stuff creep in in some of the players that you work with and some of the younger players that you work with if things start to not go well? Do you guys tend to see that uh, more often? And we, is do, it, we, we do, but fingers crossed, fingers crossed. There's moments in town we haven't had any players going through that situation. But when, people, when players, for example, get released from a football club and they're very young, uh, they don't know what to do. So you can you can prevent it by being there, supporting them with the parents, working together and trying to progress them maybe to another football club or even go down a different path of going to college or learn, learning something else. They just it's, it's I think what happens is when you become on your own and and you're not getting any support and I think you can start brewing on stuff uh, and then it just builds up and builds up and builds up. So sometimes you can prevent it, but sometimes you can't because you can't see it. You know, when I read about about players like like Stephen Cocker and, yeah. and Aaron Lennon kind of going going through yeah. that stuff. Yeah. I think for me that that helps because it's you kind of know that you're not the only one that's doing that. You know, you're not. And, it, yeah. and, and necessarily no. success doesn't prevent you from suffering from mental illness. And I don't know, for me, that's kind of an inspiration uh, to, to kind of yeah. keep going and, and to see kind of Stephen and Aaron both fighting back to kind of get back on the field. I think that's that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. But do you do you think well, that's going to lead to more people being being open and more um, accepting and aware of it? It is. There's a lot more people coming out right now because they want help. And you know yourself as a man, sometimes you don't accept um, illness. It took me a while to accept my illness. Yeah. So I realized that I had my illness and I, and I had to tell people about it. And then once you start telling people about it, it all comes out. And that's when people can help you. Because if you don't tell people, there's different kinds of uh, depression. Different, you know, there's all sorts of different mm -hmm. kinds. And 
some people go away, some people stop in, some people think differently. You know, so until you speak out, Flat Leonard from Everton, you know, well, two months ago he come out uh, and explained the situation, and it must have been hard for him. But he's back in training now, so he's getting help. Yeah, if 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 he didn't tell anybody and disappeared somewhere, it could have gone worse. So credit to him, he, he spoke out about it, and it's and he's a bigger man by speaking out. Yeah, it, it is one of the hardest things to come out and, and say. And I think a lot of times, um, especially around, you know, I'm not a professional athlete. I've never been close to that. But, mm. you know, I played sports my entire life. And, and to to come out and say, like, I'm yeah. I'm dealing with this. it And people kind of perceive it as a as a weakness, maybe. And, and I think sometimes players and they think if I say this, if I say I have an issue and Stephen Cocker spoke about this in yeah. this article, you know, this is going to prevent me from from playing. They're going to see me as weak. And I think men, like we said, we have that kind of idea about us. Um, yeah. But I, I think you see now with Aaron Lennon going back and, and playing that, that teams are, are more aware of this and teams are, are, are willing to help. And, and I think that's yeah. a really, really big step. And they're getting professional people in the club. They're getting pro- professional people in football clubs or in sport in general who understand it. And, you know, they might have weekly meetings with players. And they, you know, maybe they can see it before it really kicks in. So they are getting more supported. So looking at um, mental illness and, and, and how it's yep. progressed up to now, yeah. what do you think needs to happen to continue to help the conversation move forward uh, even more? What What do you think people need to do or we need to do to, to kind of help do that? I think, first of all, I think the country or the world, we're, 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 because depression is everywhere. It's not just in the UK and America. It's everywhere. Right. And it's different kinds. They need to uh, support it a bit more. I mean. The NHS um, in the UK, that's what I'm working with. They're incredible, yeah? But there's not enough of them. You know, they're working around the clock to support people. And and because more people are coming out now, so if we go back to the football, a lot of the football clubs now are presenting mental health. They're um, actually describing what mental health is and the sounds of it. So they understand it more than what they did many, many years ago. So I, I just think it needs to be a topic where it's, it's important because if everybody broke the leg, yeah, it'd be all over the news that people breaking the legs because you can see it. But when mental health happens, it's oh well, you know, we'll get support, you know, I'll be okay, and that's that's how I perceive it at this moment in time. Yeah, I think I think that's correct because sometimes, like you said, it's not as easy to recognize. And it's it's no. more uncomfortable to address with somebody if they are depressed, you know. Yeah, I mean, again, going to the sport football, uh, a lot of football clubs, the, the players train very hard during the morning, afternoon, and then in the afternoon they've got spare time, so they do stuff what maybe they don't do, for example, or they do other stuff. I always said, why don't somebody who understands mental health or get some education? And, and and I explained to footballers, some of the footballers might be able to be a mentor for that football club, so they can train people like not to mental, you know, talk to people in the afternoon, you know, instead of like ignoring it type of thing really. Because I think there's a lot of people out there got a lot of spare time, and I think if they just put the effort in a little bit more, everybody can talk about it and try and prevent it. Yeah, yeah. Um... 
do you think that the, as these changes come from the football clubs that that will do you think that's kind of filtered down into into the academies into the youth systems or i know in the in, in the uk now a few well a fair few clubs i work with they do have people there now supporting it and and, and talking about it and and, and and it is a topic it's you know just as important as uh what they eat and that now it's basically you know for example burnley football club they have somebody there who talks about it and explains it as one-to-ones. And so it is getting a bit more better now. A lot better now than what it was a long time ago. Now that you have kind of gone through that and are... are, are yeah. And, and, it, and I'm not sure it ever goes away. No, it, it doesn't go away. You know, instead of having... I used to have bad days and bad weeks and bad months. I've gone down to like bad months, bad day. And I might have another hour even there. But it's the way I've, I'm controlling it now. I've been taught to do it. You know, I, someone's, someone's taught me to, to work with man because it's all it's all to do with your chemicals in your head. It's all it's all your all the eyes thoughts. That's all it is. Uh-huh. You know, and if they can move them away, you know that's how you deal with it. That's well, that's the way I'm dealing with it at the moment. So yeah, as we kind of look at the the athletes that, that deal with this stuff. Um, mm. Do you tend to think that sometimes the pressure that they put on themselves and that the fans put on them and that the clubs have on them, do you think that contributes, that just compounds the issues that, that they're dealing with? It depends on the, it depends on the person. For example, you know, um, how can I say it? Uh, Alistair Campbell, the, the uh, politician and reporter from Burnley, he went through depression and he's a very, very strong character. Uh, but somebody who's not a strong character might be fine. It's, it all depends on the person and what one, maybe what job you do, what lifestyle you've got, what family you've got. What, it, it, you know, it's really hard to, to, to put your finger on it and say it's because of this. Right. Uh, I mean, if you look at, for example, go, again, go back to football. Drogba, yeah, he's 89 million pounds after the pay for him, yeah? Uh-huh. It, 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 yeah, it's hard to affected him. Because it carries on playing football, but somebody who's about four, three or four million might think, "Oh God, they've paid a lot of money for me." They might get pressured on that. It just depends on the person, real. Well, I, I guess. Do you have any other thoughts on on mental illness uh, or in, in sport or anything else you'd like to say about it? No, just basically people to 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 what not watch out for it, but listen listen to people talking about it and just and just get involved if they can. Because I'll be honest with you, before I I got ill. Um, I just think oh, I'll do it myself, but I don't call anybody anymore because I wouldn't wish it on anybody. So you know, when people come out and talk about it, because there's people there to listen, listen to you know, people will listen to you. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with that more because I that when yeah. you said that it, it, it I, I remember all all the, I had a bunch of thoughts come rushing back. So yeah, I I think it's really yeah. important to yeah. remember to reach out and. Yeah. In in both yeah. ways, whether you see you see somebody kind of going through it or you are going through it, reach out and people will will be there. Yeah, there'll be somebody out there for you. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of support with my family, close friends. You know, they got me through it. You know, they didn't they, they didn't ignore me. They uh, supported me, so it does help when you've got that support. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I don't have any more questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, no worries. But I do want to say, and um, you know, uh, thank you again, and yeah. uh, and and You're also, welcome, I really wish, you know, you and and Jay and everybody well. And I, I, I'm sure you know this, but 
everybody that has uh, commented, I haven't seen one negative comment about Jay leaving uh, Southampton. They are everybody. Everybody's behind him. Everybody's wishing him the best. So I hope. I hope. Yeah. I hope it's great. Yeah, I mean, the fair to say, Hampton, you know, they have been good. The, the fans, like I think I put something on Twitter last week about the fans. Uh-huh. Uh, they're brilliant because you understand, they, I think you understand football. Um, and, and it has, to be fair, it has all been positive. So, yeah, I, you know, I'm pretty happy about it as well. Really. We spoke before we started recording that I would have thought that the likelihood that Jay would have suffered from some sort of depression or something after going through what he went through. Yeah. Um, and for you to kind of see that as a, as a father, cause I, I have young children and you know, that sometimes yeah. what happens to them can affect me quite a bit, but, but you kind of mentioned that he, he didn't, he kind of went the other way and was able he to kind of, he, he, he went the absolute opposite way because I remember the day he did the injury. I was there watching my friends. Uh, and we ended up going, he ended up going back to Southampton, uh, and we ended up going down other night cause we lived about four and a half hours away from Southampton. Um, we were panicking, you know, we knew it was a bad injury. Obviously, on the day, Jay was really dying. The day after, he was a bit dying. But by the Monday morning, when the uh, the doctor said to him, right, this is what you're doing, it's crucial, it could take up to nine months, blah, blah, blah. Jay's first thing was, when do I start working? I want a program. So I'll be fair to say something. We had a program straight away, and then Jay just built from there because he, he said to himself, this is my new job now for nine months. You know, so that's how we dealt with it, and he dealt with it really well. Yeah, yeah. I think people can take some some courage from that. You know, that it doesn't have to go. Yeah. It doesn't have to go badly if you know, even if something horrific does happen. And you 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 look yeah. at what he, at what was lining up for him, and and all that, yeah. and then to have it all kind of taken away, and him to fight through that. I think that's I think that, yeah. that says a lot. Yeah, it does. Uh, you know, that's why I think that's why people respect him as well because. <laughs> He's just a normal. He's just a normal person who wants to get on the lap and have a good living and enjoy football. And, and I think that's where fingers crossed. Maybe that's what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, just kind of off that a little bit. Is, yeah. he, is Jay one of your? I don't want to say clients, but is Jay one of the players that you represent at a DRN? No, no, no. See, what I'm saying because when we went into it, yeah, um, people always thought that Jay was going to come with me, but but Jay's Jay's got another company called Bezix, uh, and they've been super brilliant. They've uh, absolutely looked after him. They've done everything. So it'd be pointless for me to try and change that because I am a parent as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's when I, I said to people, you know, go with your best instincts. You know, don't just see one intermediary. Go and see somebody else. They might be able to better. You know. So we, you know, you can't push it. You know. I mean. It's not going to be pushing it because Jay's happy. So if Jay's happy, he stays where he is. All right. Well, uh, once again, I really appreciate yeah. your time. Yeah. And uh, I wish yeah. you and your family all the best. And Yeah, yeah no problem. It's been enjoyable. All right, sir. Have a, have a great day, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. that does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Kiko Rodriguez. You can find him on Twitter at KikoRod9. You can also find DRN Sport, uh, of which Kiko is the director on Twitter. And, um, you know, we talked about it during the episode. The links are in the show notes. So you can find that uh, if that is something that interests you. 
Um, you know, I don't know if they do a great job. I assume they do because uh, Kiko seems like a super nice guy. And in addition to talking to me for this episode, Kiko did raise J-Rod, which, uh, you know, a lot of us have fond memories of. And with us playing Burnley soon and the stress that everyone is under, I felt like this was a good opportunity to uh, pull this episode out of the archives. And I hope you found it helpful. Um, and uh, if not, you know, there's always next time. The show would be impossible without the partners of the show. Special thanks to the Saints Archive and the Southampton page. You can find them on Twitter uh, at Southampton page and the Saints Archive is on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to join their Facebook community if you have not done so already. Uh, it's helped me learn so much about the history of the club and be connected with so many more fans through uh, our shared love of the club and its history. And it's just, uh, it really is just a great thing to be a part of. The artwork for the show is done by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram, and all music comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games, and the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Poddington Bear. We'll be back next week after the Burnley match. Nothing like a noon kickoff on Easter, uh, unless, of course, you live on the West Coast, which means it's 4 a.m. But uh, anyway, won't complain too much because I will have some football back. And uh, until next time, remember that together march on.